Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. So tonight, um, tonight our our word or the game that we play, we're talking about, we're talking about um, the games Christians play, how people fake it and are hypocritical sometimes. Tonight, the game Christians play is charades. So you maybe have played charades at a party before and you've got to guess. You know, somebody has to talk without words and you've got to try to figure out what they're doing. So we're going to talk about how Christians play charades. Let me turn the back screen on here so I can see what is on the screen. But to define charades, I looked up the definition of charades, and this is the definition that I got. Charades, a charade, is a blatant pretense or deception, usually by the means of misleading actions. So I can act a way to mislead you. Like I could go to my closet maybe and try to pick out like the fanciest clothes I had and douse myself in cologne and try to make you come in and make, you know, think that I'm some sort of like, you know, businessman or something when I'm really not. You know, everyone's pretty good at trying to portray something they're not. And unfortunately, Christians, you can go to the next slide, Jake, Christians are pretty good at playing charades. Maybe you've met someone who's fake. Um, maybe you've met someone who's fake. Go to the slide before that, Jake. Um, <laughs> it's the title slide. Oh, you've met someone who's fake. Um, you've met someone who plays spiritual charades. And here's the danger Here's the danger with playing spiritual charades. The danger is that one of two things happens. First, sometimes you see somebody who's faking it. You know, you know someone at school who says they're a Christian, but they're living otherwise. And it makes you discouraged from living for God. Maybe you've been that way before. There's someone that you looked up to or you thought was a great Christian, and they messed up. And they didn't just mess up. They messed up every way possible. They messed up up, down, left, and right. Like, they messed up. So it discouraged you from living for God because you're like, if he's faking it, if she's faking it, is it really even worth it? It's also dangerous because some of us are really good at playing charades. And some of you are playing charades and, and you're acting like the good Christian teenager, but you really know what's going on in your heart. And you act one way at church, but you act another way with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend. Or you act another way with your cr- friends that don't go to church. And, and you're, you're doing just like we're going to talk about tonight. You're getting caught in charades. So there's two questions I want you to ask yourself tonight. First question is, am I faking it? Am I playing charades? The second question is, how should I deal with someone who's faking it in my life? Because it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when you find a fake Christian. Are you going to let that rock your faith? Or are you going to find a way to deal with it? So the scripture we're going to look at today is Matthew chapter 23. And this is like one of the most, um, this would have been one of some of the most controversial words of Jesus. Um, Jesus was talking to a group of people called the Pharisees, and when this entire chapter, he's just totally got the Pharisees, he's ripping them up one side and down the other. And this is one of the, this is one of the times, this is maybe the one time where he got the Pharisees so mad, so ticked off, that they decided to kill him. They decided to kill him off because he just caught, I mean, he called them out on it. He's, yeah, he, he's like, you guys are just sitting on a throne of lies. So let's read through this passage. It's just 12 verses in Matthew 23. Then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, The teachers of the law and the Pharisees love to sit in Moses' seat, so you must be careful to do everything they tell you to do. But do not do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. They tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. Everything they do is done for people to see. 
They make their phylacteries wide and toss tassels, and the tassels on their garment are long. They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They love to be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and to be called rabbi by others. But you're not to be called rabbi, for, the one, for you have one teacher, and you are all brothers. And don't call anyone on earth father, for you have one father, and he's in heaven. Nor are you to be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Messiah. The greatest among you will be your servant. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Incredible words from Jesus. But first, you remember I said we're talking about two questions. I want you to think about two questions tonight. First is, am, am I faking it? And the second is, how do I deal with a faker in my life? So the first question we're going to think about tonight is, am I faking it? Am I one of these people who are faking it? Am I one of these people who are playing charades? You're probably too young to remember this, but maybe your parents say this. Um, they talk about this comedian named Jeff, Jeff Foxworthy. Any of y'all know who that is? Probably not. But he had this. You've probably heard his saying. He had all these jokes. He's a redneck guy. He had all these jokes that were like, you might be a redneck if, you know, if your satellite dish is bigger than your house, you might be a redneck. You know, he had all these like, you might be a redneck if. Well, tonight there are two. You may be a hypocrite if. You may be playing charades if. I want to give you two of these. And here's the first. You may be a hypocrite if you don't practice what you preach. Look at what Jesus said about these Pharisees. They were very um, well-respected people, and they were in a place of honor in the synagogue where people worshipped. But he, here's what Jesus said about them. He said, they sit in Moses' seat, so you must do everything they tell you to do. They're teaching the law, but here's the problem. You see at the end of verse 3, he says, don't do what they do, for they don't practice what they preach. Have you ever met someone who talked a big game, but their life was totally different? Jesus goes on in verse 4 to explain what that means. He says, they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to lift a finger to move them. They're telling everybody what they're doing wrong. They're like, Ryan, you're doing this wrong in your life. Avery, you're doing this wrong in your life. Evelina, you're doing this wrong in your life. Good luck with trying to fix it. Essentially, it's what they're doing. As soon as I read this, there was this commercial that I always kind of crack up about that came to my mind. So I want to play it for you. It's like 15 seconds long. Can you go ahead and play it, Jake? So just like this dentist, he wasn't really a dentist. He was a dental monitor. He'll look in your tooth and tell you if you have a cavity, but he won't fix it. And th that's what Jesus is saying these teachers were doing, these Pharisees were doing. He's like, wow, you've got a serious lust problem in your life. Good luck with fixing that. How often do we do the same exact thing in our lives in 2017? We see people do things that are not right and and. And we don't even have to tell them that what they're doing is not right. Here's the thing. We think if we just tell people what they're doing is wrong, that they'll change. I would venture to say, and I think you'll agree with me, especially right now, if you're doing something that's wrong, like if you're living a lifestyle that you, is not right, you probably know it. Most people who are doing the wrong thing, they're pretty well aware that they're doing, a wrong, that they're doing the wrong thing. and They don't necessarily need someone to say, hey, did you know what you're, do you're doing is wrong? And they're like, well, thank you, Captain Obvious. Right? They, they know what they're doing is wrong, and 
what they don't need is someone else telling them what they're doing is wrong. They need someone to help them change their life. And the Pharisees were going around saying, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong, you're doing wrong. Good luck with that. I'm just a spiritual monitor. I'm not here to help you change. What Jesus says here is they tie up heavy, cumbersome loads and put them on other people's shoulders. It's like saying, here, you've sinned. Here's your load of sin to carry. Here, you've sinned. Here's your load of sin to carry. And it says they don't lift one finger to help people with their loads. Unfortunately, a lot of Christians have become very bad at that. We would rather stay in our, in, in our church buildings and like lob bombs at the world and say, you know, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, rather than get into people's lives and help them. It's a lot easier to look down on the girl that you know has been sleeping around at school and stay away from her. It's a lot harder to come next to her and say, hey, you want to come to church with me? Hey, you want to spend some time with my friends? I think you could use some better friends. The Pharisees weren't willing to do that, and sometimes we're not willing to get in those people's lives either and help them. I think there are a lot of people that want to change, but A, they don't know how, and B, they're around a lot of people that are stopping them from making the changes they need to make in their life. The question is, are you going to be like the Pharisees and not practice what you preach? Because really, if you believe what you say about Jesus, it should motivate you to get involved in people's lives and help people rather than load them with burdens. So that you may be playing charades, you may be a Pharisee if you don't practice what you preach. The next one, you can look in verse 5. You may be a Pharisee, you may be a hypocrite, you may be... um, Uh, Playing charades, if everything you do is for show. If everything you do is for show. Unfortunately, some people, this is their version of Christianity. It's Ron Burgundy Christianity. It's, hey, everyone, come see how good I look. The Pharisees were really good at this, portraying the certain image of themselves. And they were even able to do it before social media. They were able to make people think they were spiritual without ever having to post on Instagram. And here's how they did it. And what you'll see is there's a lot of parallels to the way that we try to convince other people that we're good people too. It says in verse 5, everything is done for people to see. Then the next couple of verses explain the way they do that and the way they play charades. Verse 5, it says, they make their phylacteries wide and the tassels on their garments long. Anybody here know what a phylactery is? It's not really a word we use very often. You're like, hey girl, I like your phylacteries. Like, we don't say that, right? Um, Avery? Yeah, you're right. It's a big word we're not supposed to understand, but we can understand it. Here's what people did back in the first century who were trying to live for God. They would take Bible verses from the Old Testament. They would write them on little pieces of paper. They'd write the Bible verses on little pieces of paper, put them in this, like, locket that they would call an amulet, and then they would take little leather straps and strap those amulets with the Bible verses on their arms and on their foreheads. Like, we would think that's so weird, but it was kind of considered normal back then. (laughs) Bless you, Holly. It was considered normal back then because maybe you've read in Deuteronomy chapter 5 where it says, don't let these words of the law depart, but keep reminders. I'm, I'm kind of paraphrasing here but keep reminders of these everywhere. And it, ta- it says, bind them to your foreheads, attach them to your arms, and they took that literally. They're like, okay, God says bind these words to our foreheads. We will literally bind these words to our foreheads. And it was meant as a reminder for them to keep those commands of God. And a lot of people did it. But the Pharisees are like, we got to convince people we're super spiritual. So these people, they've got these little dinky, like, one-inch-wide phylacteries on their head. 
we're going to bust out the big old four-inchers because we do it big in America. We do it big in Israel. So they get these big honking phylacteries around their heads and around their arms. We would think they look pretty stupid, but the people in Israel, like, they were like, oh, my goodness, look at her phylacteries. Like, it was a... <laughs> It was a big deal. Like, it was a big deal. And people would see that, and they would think, oh, my goodness. They must have such high regard for God's law because they've got all these verses attached to them. Yet, remember, they didn't even think enough about the verses they had attached to their head to help other people obey the verses. So we know that was a show. It also says they make their tassels long. People on their outer garments, that was like, we don't dress like Middle Easterners, right? We like, like to show our bodies off in America. But uh, some of us need to cover up a little more. But um, back then, you know, they had all these outer garments. They had, they had shawls and they had long coats. And what you would do, this was stylish back then, you would put tassels on your outer garments. I don't know, maybe we could bring that back. But the tassels were to remind you to pray. So most people would have, like, these tassels hanging off. And, you know, when they'd turn around, the tassel would hit them in the face. and be like, oh, yeah, i got to pray. Well, the Pharisees have to one-up everyone. So instead of having like a two-inch tassel, they've got like this like foot-long tassel. And they're like, look at my tassels. You know, and everybody's like, oh, they must pray a lot because they got long tassels. So it sounds ridiculous to us, I know. But that's the way they tried to portray themselves and make themselves spiritual. It's just like us posting all these ridiculous things on Twitter that are not God-honoring, and then the one week out of the year we go on a mission trip posting all these pictures of orphans that we've helped and saying how much you love God. That kind of brings it back to 2015. What does the Bible say? How does the Bible say we're supposed to dress for church? In Corinthians. I've told you this before, right? Corinthians 3.12, it says, Clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be nice if those Pharisees put some of that on to go with their big phylacteries. For some of us, we look the part when we're at church outwardly, but some of you are going to church spiritually nude. Some of you are spiritually streaking down the hallways of your school because you haven't clothed yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And you think everybody thinks you're so spiritual and all they're doing is laughing at you because you're playing charades. So they... they did everything for people to see with their clothes, with their positions. In verse 6, it says they love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogue. They tried to be, like, well-known by the powerful people. And they would hobnob with the politicians, and they would, you know, they, they would, they would, they would make sure that wherever they were, they were with the most important people, and they had the most prominent seat at the table. And back then, like, a tab the tables were long. They'd have big feasts and banquets, and the tables were arranged by importance. So if you were at the foot of the table, like, you were like, nothing. You know, you were nothing. But if you were up towards the front of the table, yeah, you were like big stuff. And these Pharisees would make a beeline for the most important seats at the table because they wanted to be well-regarded. They were so worried about what other people thought was at the synagogue where they would read the Old Testament together and they'd teach on the Old Testament. You know, they'd have chairs kind of set up like this. But then up here in the front, they would have a special section for Pharisees and teachers of the law that would face the congregation. And they'd have a couple rows and they'd all sit there and look at the peons and be like, at least we're not one of those. We're the teachers of the law. We have enormous phylacteries. 
We are something, and you are not. And we are powerful, and you are not. And they would take so much pride in that. And it was all about how much people could notice. But, you know, it turns out they had it backwards, and we're going to see that at the end of the lesson. But hanging out with important people doesn't make you any more spiritual. And there's a good chance it's going to make you really super stuck up. Everything they do is for show. And then it says, it keeps going, it says, they love to be greeted with respect in the marketplace and to be called rabbi by others. There were two terms that, were, that the Pharisees would almost demand people address them as. One was rabbi and the other was pastor. Rabbi, meant, or was, rabbi and, um, and father. Rabbi meant teacher. Father meant like well-respected elder. But what do we know? We know Jesus was called rabbi. I don't want to take the place of Jesus. I'm not worthy to be called any name that Jesus has ever been called. And Father, there's only one spiritual Father. There's only one heavenly Father, and it's God. So they're trying to take positions that they don't deserve because they were all about the titles. They were all about the titles. There are two important titles here that we should only be concerned about. Brother in Christ and sister in Christ. There's (laughs) There's only one father we have and it's our heavenly father and there are only two categories of people there are people that know Jesus and there are people that need to know Jesus so they were all concerned about what people thought and they valued what people thought of them more than who they really were in God they were faking it and they were faking it big time so here's the question remember this is the first question am I faking it so remember, here's your, you might be a redneck if. You may be a redneck. You may be a faker. You may be a hypocrite if, A, you don't practice what you preach, and B, everything you do, the only time you serve God is when people are watching. Everything's for show. Is that you? Are you a faker? Maybe you need to make things right with God. So here's the next question. I really want you to think about that, though, because it's easy to come here and be like, ha, Matt's talking about fake, so she needs it, he needs it, she needs it, you need it, I don't need it. Sorry, that was a little too sassy. Um, There's this danger of thinking it applies to everybody else but yourself, so I don't want you to move past this until you realize that, hey, we're all in danger of becoming fakers and playing charades because there's this gravitational pull in church, it seems, to to, to perform rather than to be found in Christ. So, but let's go to the next, so. First question is, am I, am I a faker? Am I playing the charades? Here's the second question. The second question is, what do I do with a faker? There's probably somebody in your life you know that's just totally playing the Christian game, but they're not being real. Here's what you do with a faker. First, you pull out your 9 millimeter, you cock it, and you put a cap in them. That's really not what you do. Um, how do you deal with a hypocrite? I put, if you must. <laughs> you know, Because there's sometimes we should just walk away. You know, There's sometimes we should just be like, you know what? I, don't, I shouldn't deal with this right now. But there are sometimes we, need to de- we have to deal with people in our life because sometimes it's people that live in your house. Sometimes it's people that are in your church. Sometimes it's people that are in high positions that you have to deal with. So how do you deal with somebody who's not living the part? Here's the first. They're all D words. I'm hoping next week I can bring some F words back because we haven't had F words for a long time. But they're D words tonight. And the first one is discern between God's truth and human messengers. Look here at verse 3. This is hard. This is probably the hardest one right here, for the record. Verse 3, it says, you must be careful. He's talking about the Pharisees here. You must be careful to do everything they tell you. What? They're fakes. 
They're imposters. They're playing charades. And what does Jesus tell his followers, his disciples to do? It says, you must do everything they do. Why? Why should I do what they do if they're fakes? Because what they're teaching is true. Now, here's the flip side of the coin. They should be doing what they teach too, shouldn't they? But what he's saying is truth is God's truth. Truth is truth no matter who says it. And if you're looking for someone to be a perfect messenger of God, <laughs> you're not going to find them. God uses imperfect messengers. He uses humans. He says in the Bible, God says that he's trusted this treasure into earthen vessels. So the pe people that are speaking God's truth, like me, like people that are leading your small groups, like people that are Christians at your school, they are imperfect people. But God's truth is still God's truth. And we should not let someone who's being fake stop us from being obedient to God. I put it this way. Don't let a fake Christian stand between you and a real God. Satan would like nothing better than you to see someone who's faking it and say, you know what, if they're faking it, it's not real. God is real. Just because people are not always 100% obedient to him does not mean God's not real. So discern the truth between God's truth, discern between God's truth and human messengers. The next one is don't play God in the lives of others. Just don't. Look, at, you know, I love how you know, the Pharisees were all about who's in charge, who's the leader, who's the one on top. And what does Jesus say in verse 8? He says, you're not to be called rabbi. You got one teacher. And then what does he say about us? He says, you got one teacher and you are all brothers. Jesus came to create a family, not a hierarchy. Jesus came to create a family, not a pecking order. And here's the problem. We take our American ideals of, you know, we start a business, and there's the CEO, and there's the vice presidents, and then there's the little worker bees. And the CEO sits in a chair, and he bosses the vice presidents around. The vice presidents sit in a chair, and they boss the little worker bees around. The little worker bees just work, 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 work. There's one boss, and he's Jesus. All the rest of us are brothers and sisters in Christ who live together. We have one teacher. We have one instructor. So to deal with a hypocrite, and this is what we're talking about, to deal with a hypocrite, you got to understand where you are in God's family. Don't let someone who's hungry for power and who's trying to lord some made-up title over you separate you and God. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. You have direct access to God. So regardless of how super spiritual somebody's trying to be, they don't have any closer of a connection to God than you do. So don't let someone else play God in your life. And by the way, don't play God in the lives of others. Here's the third one. Defer to your heavenly Father. I like this in verse 9. It says, don't call anyone on earth Father, for you have one Father and he's in heaven. Does that mean I've got to stop calling my dad Father? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying don't hold someone in as high regard as God the Father on earth. You may say, that's easy. I don't do that. Oh, yes, we do. You could probably name one person in your life who you look up to so much and has been such a spiritual influence in, you, in, in your life that if they fell, you may fall with them. And that's a scary place to be. Can I tell you something? If you hang out with me long enough, I will probably let you down at some point because I'm a human. I will apologize for it. I will try to make it right, and I will try to be real with you. But there's a good chance I'll let you down. Every spiritual leader, every pastor, 
every counselor in America, at some point, if you're with them long enough, they will mess up and they will let you down. The question is, is your faith strong enough to withstand that? That's why he says you should only have one father because there's only one person who you can always trust to be holy and honest and truthful, and it's God your father. Our earthly fathers let us down. Whether you, you have a, a pretty good earthly father or whether you have a sad excuse for a father in your life, fathers will let you down. Your heavenly father will not ever let you down. So don't put your faith in people because you may be putting your faith in someone who is playing charades. And what happens when they're exposed? You, you can, you can every, every year you can look. There's one faith leader who falls big time every year, it seems. And they're exposed for playing charades. Are you putting your faith in a person or are you putting your faith in God? The last one is delay recognition. Sometimes when people are faking it, we think they're so fake and they're getting all this recognition. I'm trying to live the real deal. I need to one-up them. I need to make sure people know what a bad job they're doing and what a good job I'm doing. So I need to kind of position myself, and I need to kind of show off what I'm doing down at Markham Terrace, or I need to kind of show off what I'm doing with my life group, and I need to kind of talk it up a little bit. What does God say about that? Verse 11, it says, The greatest among you will be your servant, for those who exalt themselves will be humbled. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. There's only one person who we're supposed to promote. It's not the person in the mirror. It's not the person that stands in front of you. There's one person we're supposed to promote, and he's the one who laid his life down and became a servant so we could live. So if we're followers of Christ, and Christ became a servant, what does that mean we should be doing? What this verse says, the greatest among you will be your servant. This is what I would do. Verse 12 there, maybe your version says it a little different. It says, those who exalt themselves, circle that word, will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Is it a might be? Is it a maybe? Is it a could be? It's a will be. And when God says will be, you know what you better believe? It will be. So if you are exalting yourself, What's the promise of God? You will be humbled. Have you ever exalted yourself and been humbled pretty quick? I have. But here's, here's the flip side of that. Those who humble themselves will be exalted because you're following Christ. Christ humbled himself to live on earth. He humbled himself to the geographic location he lived. He humbled himself to his hometown. He humbled himself to the way that he lived. He humbled himself even in his death. He suffered the most disgusting and the most low-class death anyone could suffer, and it was the death of the cross. Jesus is the picture of being humbled. So we're supposed to follow him in being humble. But it dry, it's so, I'm like, this, is, this bugs me. I try to stay humble. And I see people over here who are so full of self-promotion. And everybody's like giving them all these praises. Oh, you're so great. And you're, you, know, you love God so much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? And I'm over here just trying to do my thing. And I'm trying to keep my head down. I'm trying to stay humbled. I'm like, man, this sucks. I'm not supposed to say that. Will you edit that out of the podcast? This stinks. Man, this stinks. Nobody cares what I'm doing. You have a father in heaven who you put a smile on his face every time you serve him. And one day, you will be 
exalted. You will be recognized for what you're doing, and you will be recognized for being real. So the question tonight, are you playing charades? Are you like the Pharisees? Or maybe the other question is, are you letting someone who's a faker stand between you and a real God? So I'm going to leave that right there. I'm going to pray, and we're going to go downstairs to tag. Father, thank you that you are real, and no thing that anyone does can separate us from the reality of who you are. And God, I pray for people here that have, you know, they, they know you, and, and, and there's been a time where their, their spiritual lives have just been incredibly hot and on fire, but right now, they're just going through the motions. God, I pray that out of your love, you'll compel them to return to you and experience joy again of being in you. And Father, I pray for people here that are they're struggling because someone, Christianity is just not being modeled for them. And they have bad examples of what it means to follow you. Um, I pray that through all the hypocrisy and all the charades that people pray, play, that you will speak to them and you will show them how real you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel Podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.